Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Back again. It's been two weeks. Can't hardly believe it. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, how are you doing? I'm great, man. There's a lot been going on. What's uh, what's been what's been up in your uh, model sphere the last couple of weeks? Anything? Well, anything delightful? Well, actually, uh, you know, uh, my mojo is returning. First of all, I want to I want to thank everybody that I'm, I must have I must have sounded a little more down last last episode than than I realized because we had a number <laughs> of listeners reach out to to give me encouragement. And I want to tell you I appreciate all of you for doing so. Bunch of get well cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my mojo's back. I I've uh, uh, gotten several sessions in on the M30. We'll talk about later. My problem is isn't so much now mojo. It is just the fact that with spring here, there's uh, you know there there are more demands on my time, so I have less time at the bench. Uh, uh, I've got to do yard work. Luckily, I've got uh, good good podcasts from Australia to listen to while I'm on my riding mower cutting my grass. Maybe um, they'll go. Maybe they'll go bi-weekly again, so you can make it through summer. Yeah, really, really. Well, they're bi-weekly now. Maybe they'll go weekly again. Well, weekly. I'm sorry. Yes. Maybe they'll go back to weekly. And uh, Yeah, just for me. Just for you, Dave. Just for me. So uh, what's your model sphere looking like? Well, I posted to Facebook, but I finally tracked down the issue of the old Karsten's publication, Military Modeler, not the British magazine, but the American Military Modeler, right. not modeling, which was the first modeling periodical I ever bought ever. And uh, added it to the nostalgia collection. <laughs> plus, plus five other issues that came with it for like a oh, whopping, really a whopping six dollars. Well, yeah, you can pick up old modeling magazines off eBay really cheap. It's it's interesting. I, I, we were talking earlier before we went live about the how I thought these things smelled bad, but no, I love the smell of old modeling magazines, man. And like I was saying, one of the best smells in the world is to walk into an old used bookstore. Oh. God, I hope I'm not as yellow and faded as these things. <laughs> well, Robin loves you anyway. I hope so. Golly. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, uh, what are you what are you sipping on for your modeling fluid tonight? Oh man, Dave, I got something good. Uh oh, I'm sipping on uh, Eagle Rare from Buffalo Trace. Mmm, nice. Yeah, man, it's pretty good. It's a uh, a tenure from uh, Buffalo Trace. It's about 110 proof. It's a it's a very good bourbon, and this one's especially good because it's a gift. It was given to me because of some good things have been going on in my life that we won't get into just yet, uh, outside of the model sphere even. But uh, thank you, Linda and Clinton. Very very much appreciated. Uh, they've kind of been with me on this journey for the last. Uh, few months and uh it's come to fruition and uh they gifted me with a really nice bottle of bourbon that i'm plugging here on the podcast hey listen the best kind of the best kind of bourbon is free bourbon 
but yeah, Eagle Rare is good stuff. My the the head partner at our law firm uh, has a nice little uh, liquor collection in his office, and uh, occasionally we'll share a sip on a Friday afternoon. Uh, and uh, Eagle Rare is one of the ones uh, he's he shared, and I've got to tell you, it was a fantastic sip. Well, before we get into yours, let's back up to my model sphere again. That's something I meant to say that I forgot. It's right here. Right. My, my outline's right here in front of me, and I, I blew it. I tell you, it's amazing how much the hobby has advanced since uh, that 1980 issue of Military Modeler. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I remember being mind blown as a, as a 12-year-old when I bought that magazine on our way to vac- on, on vacation, and uh to be honest, most of the stuff in there by today's standards really isn't that good. Oh, yeah. You know, I keep saying we live in the golden age of modeling, and it is absolutely true. Stuff that 30 years ago was cutting edge. Go back and look at old modeling magazines. Look at stuff that when Francois Verlinden hit the scene, his stuff was just, you know, he and uh, Pruneau and all of that. Their stuff was just something nobody had ever seen. And now you go back and look at them, and it's like, well, that's okay. It just, the the hobby itself, the technology and all of that, the artistry that has come into the hobby, uh, really, it's, it's, it's a completely different world. Well, now that I've co-opted your uh, modeling fluid, let's get back to that. That's what are right. you What are you enjoying tonight, Dave? Well, what I am enjoying is Raging Eagle from Yingling. It is a mango ale. Um, it, it reminds you of uh, um, Blue Moon's Mango Wheat, which I enjoy as a summer beer, speaking of yard work. It's a beer I enjoy as a summer beer when I'm doing yard work. Um, this is very similar, although it's not quite as mango forward. Uh, it's about 6% alcohol by volume. So it's a, it's a full, it's a, a full beer, but it's not ridiculously alcoholic. Um, something that you can enjoy. It's uh, a beautiful golden color. And uh, I sent you a picture that you can put up with the episode. Uh, I am drinking the beer from my uh, Kentucky, official Kentucky Derby glass for this year's 147th running of the Kentucky Derby. And for listeners who don't know, uh, you might go, go onto the great Google machine and Google Kentucky Derby official glass. It's a tradition that dates back 75, 85 years, with probably even longer than that. Um, uh, every year they re- re- they uh, release an official glass with an illustration and then the list of all the winners. And I picked up this year's glass and I'm using it to, to enjoy the modeling fluid. Well, there you go, everybody. You can order yourself up a Kentucky Derby glass. Absolutely. It's, it's more fun to get them with a the mint julep in them, though. You know what? This won't get me kicked out of Kentucky because you hear this. this well, it exp- might. You get you hear this expressed a lot by Kentuckians, but I am not a particularly a mint julep fan. Mint juleps to me are just too sweet, 
and and uh, kind of a waste of good bourbon, far as I'm concerned. Well, you don't you don't make them with good bourbon. Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. <laughs> for for the listeners out there, if you're going to watch the Derby and celebrate Derby Day and have yourself a little Derby party, and you're going to make mint juleps because it's part of the tradition and Derby pie, right? Do not use good bourbon. Use cheap bourbon. Because it makes no difference to the drink. Well, the listener mail keeps on coming, Dave. I know, man. I know. But it's fun. It's fun. I like it. Oh, absolutely. That's how we live for that. The community, the listeners. We ought to get into it. Yeah. All right. First up is Aaron Smith from Seville, Ohio. Now, where is that? Besides Ohio. I, don't don't say Ohio. I, okay. Well, you ruined the joke. I don't know where Seville is. I know where a lot of places in Ohio are, but I don't know where Seville is. Well, he'll have to tell us or we'll have to look it up. Yep. Uh, let's see. I highlighted some of his. Um, Aaron says that he just started listening to the podcast last week, and he's listened to several episodes, but have, has not made it through all of them yet. Well, thank you for finding us and uh, diving into it. We yes. appreciate that. And we appreciate you going back and listening to back episodes. Uh, I've discovered I am not alone in the rabbit hole issue. Well, I think there's, that's a, there's a big crowd in that room there, Aaron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, research, yeah. research paralysis, I believe, is a thing now with so many yeah. images and information available instantly. Aftermarket support and the technology that is available to us in 3D printing, photo etching, and decal printing. It's a wonder we get anything done. Yeah. I, I, I resemble I resemble these remarks. I com- I completely agree, and the the internet has just made it worse because of the fact that you do have all of that information at, at your fingertip. Add in choosing the correct kit or kits if you're kit, if kit bashing. We can spend hours prior to even opening the box. Yes, it is definitely taking time away from actual modeling, but at the same time, has opened doors to obscure references and schemes. And that make the hobby more interesting. I agree yeah. with that. Uh, it's called rabbit holes, by the way. I do think I do think it can also in in some way make you a little more efficient. In that, if you if you take advantage, you know there are lots of reviews of every kid out there, and I'm not talking inbox reviews. I'm talking actual build reviews. And if you go and watch a couple of YouTube reviews or read a couple of reviews online, they can really save you time because every kit has a quirk or two, even the best of kits has a quirk or two that, you know, listening or watching somebody go before you and build it may save you a headache. So I, I, I'm all for going in and doing a little research on the kit you're building. He says it's also helped him improve uh, his modeling so he can attempt something like this. And this is a picture of a uh, Soviet uh, MI6 helicopter. He's got the A model kit in his stash. Now, that's a big honking helicopter. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. That, that and the MI-26 are just two huge freaking helicopters. It's like a Chinook with only one rotor. Yep. Holy moly. Yep. Well, good luck. Good luck on that, Aaron. That's a helicopters aren't easy. I bet big ones are even less so. I, I have not built a helicopter because, and there's some that I would like to build. But I will be honest with you, it's to me, it's almost a dark art. 
it it's it's different enough from aircraft modeling that that I think it would be a real challenge for an aircraft modeler to build a helicopter kit. Maybe. Well, to get to the 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 meat of his uh, listener mail, one thing I would like to suggest is to mention your can't do withouts when it comes to supplies, tools, etc. Mister Color Leveling Thinner is one of mine. Yes. Uh, and which I've heard mentioned on the podcast, almost every podcast, we sneak <laughs> that in. Yep. And we just did. <laughs> there you go. That's on the bingo card, by the way. If you guys are listening to the episode and you've got the uh, uh, Plastic Model Mojo bingo card, you can check off Unicorn Tears. Another is MIG Extra Thin Cement. I didn't know MIG sold cement. I wonder if he meant Tamiya, or I could be wrong. No, I think MIG does does have their own Extra Thin Cement. No, I know AK came out with cement, so I guess Mig had to do it too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's how this works, right? Yes. <laughs> Especially with those two companies. All right. Hearing what works from uh, people who possess the skills above mine helps me make informed decisions and helps my modeling money go farther. Yes. Well, let's see. I made a show note. My can't do without... Is Mr. Surfacer 500 in the jar? Yeah. That's I, mine. Well, my mine are, and I have several, Unicorn Tears. Nope. Uh, can't use that one. Uh, Mr. Surfacer 500 in the jar. Mr. Surfacer 1500 black in the rattle can. And the God Hand cutters, sprue cutters. I could do with almost without almost anything else, but those I really have to have. Well, you just made Aaron spend $120, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> Up next is Richard Cap from Clovis, California. Before we get to Richard, both our modeling fluids have Eagle in the name. Did you, did you get that? Oh, you're right. Raging Eagle. Huh. Huh. Well, that worked out. We didn't plan that. We did not. Kismet. Yeah. All right, Richard, back to you. He's a mechanical engineer, so we got something in common. Exactly. He's got a long history of building balsa radio-controlled airplanes and gliders, but he's decided that he's grown older, that uh, the building process is more enjoyable than the flying, so he's uh, moving over to static models. I understand. As an engineer, I did the obligatory several-month-long over-analysis before deciding that 135th scale armor would be the way to go or the way to start. I wonder if 72nd scale aircraft was his other plan. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask if you feel seen <laughs> from this email, man. I think so. I think yeah. we got a little bit in common. Uh-huh. Uh, he's building his way through the, quote, Champion Scale Models YouTube channel's Beginner's Guide to Armor Modeling playlist. Now, that's a sequential kind of playlist from uh, opening the box to, to getting it painted and finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to know if we know of any other YouTube channels focusing on aircraft that have similar uh, a similar format. I do not know of anything. Do you? I do not either. But that is, you know, there's an opportunity for somebody. If you're out there listening and you're starting to to dive into YouTube or, uh, you know, do do construction videos, there's an open lane for you. He also likes MM scale models, but uh, that another YouTube channel. But they don't do these progressive series of videos, but uh, just individual topics like most folks do. Right. Um, tell you if you like the individual topics, you need to check out uh, Chris Wallace's model airplane maker. Yes, 
Um, he has just started doing videos, but the ones that he has are just really, really excellent. I mean, I highly recommend them. Uh, I tell you one, it's it doesn't go from construction. I don't think it does. I could be wrong. It's 20 some episodes long, so I, I, I might have forgot. But uh, Adam Wilder's KV1 build. No. No, it is. You are correct. Your your memory serves you right. It starts at the painting stage. It goes. In fact, I think he has the base coat on it when he starts the series, and it is like twenty or twenty six episodes of just weathering steps. So it's a great series. Oh yeah, and you can have a little fun with it. Get you a big bottle of bourbon or scotch or about a 24-can case of beer. And every time Adam Wilder says the word subtle, you take a drink. Oh, no, man. (laughs) You're going to send him to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Not to dig on Adam, but uh, there's not a whole lot subtle in that model once it's done. And I just think it's funny that he uses the word so much. (laughs) But it it is beautiful. I mean, It 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 really is super impressive. All right. Hope that helps, Richard. If not, we'll do better next time, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Frank Whitner from Casa Grande, Arizona. Hey, guys. I was just re-listening to the past episode and thought of a possible topic. Kit bashing. How many kits are you willing to use to make one model that you want to (laughs) build? There is a very famous article from... I think scale models back in the 70s or 80s. And this is before the Hasegawa Emily kit came out. And some guy kit bashed together an Emily from six or seven different kits to make the big Japanese four-engine flying boat. And I'm sure he was probably the guy who ended up getting us the Emily because, of course, after you do a giant kit bash like that, somebody announces a kit of what you just bashed together. But uh, how many on the how many kits did you sacrifice on the, on the SU-76? Well, just one. There's just only the kit, one? It's the only kit there was. But back, back to his email... Um, he's building an M32 B2 tank recovery vehicle, which is used by the Marines in the Pacific theater. And so far he's up to three kits, a set of tracks and some 3d printed stuff. My answer would be as many kits as it takes. I don't really <laughs> have a limit. I'm, I'm planning. I'm in the planning phase of, of a BM 13 Katusha on a ZIS six truck. And I'm up to four kits, large and small to make that happen. That's just the way it goes. I don't. I don't yeah. really care. I don't. And then you'll find some use for the spare parts down the road, right? Or not. Or not. He goes on for me and says, uh, "You know, he's. I was looking for this Sharnhorse turret from Model Collect. Uh, right. But he, rec- he recommends their their paper Panzer kit. Uh, oh, the P one thousand or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. It's got, he's got the turret. He says missing a gun, but they've actually re released a kit that's got a three gun turret on it. They they released it both ways. So I'm probably going to get that, and then, uh, I don't know, i got to have a lot of crap to get rid of after that. <laughs> True enough. True enough. So kit bashing, uh, sky's the limit, man. 50 kits, I don't care. <laughs> it's all Spoken fun. like a true engineer. I guess so. Oh, and his modeling fluid is a pot of percolator coffee. 
Oh, you know what? My The only problem is because of my essential tremor, I've had to cut caffeine out of my life completely. So pot of coffee done. Although, you know what? Uh, our our mo- My modeling friend, Skippy, he actually, before he sits down to model in the evenings, he will actually have a cup of coffee. That just amazes me. I couldn't do it. I hate coffee. <laughs> I, li- I like coffee, but I have to drink decaf now. Well, Kip Jackson's back, and uh, he gave us his geography this time. Good. Is it Saline or Saline, Michigan? I think Saline, but I don't okay. know for sure. All right. Well, he's got a good one here. You'll like yeah. this. This, this can be all you, Dave. Oh, good. While I'm unable to attend the national convention this year in Las Vegas, I've been wondering about a specific aspect of what seems to be a convention fave, the vendor room. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do you have? Oh, hang on. It's got a, it's, it's a little more specific than that. <laughs> okay. Since I've never attended a state or regional, and in quotes, he just joined the IPMS last week for the first time. So thank Yay. you for that. Got another one, Dave. All right. Real another uh, man. So not much, not many conventions. How do people who purchase things in the vendor room get their new stash items home? Seems like taking them on an airplane, assuming one flew there to get there, would be prohibitively expensive and fraught with danger. How do people <laughs> handle this? Buy and have them shipped home? Also, do you take your wives? All right. Um, if I drive to a convention, obviously it's not a problem. You car with a with enough room in the in the trunk or in the in the way back on a minivan, you're set. Or the boot for folks who don't live in the United States. That's right. If you've flown to a convention, I will tell you, I generally take a spare suitcase. And that spare suitcase is empty when I fly out. And when I fly back, that spare suitcase is full. If if I buy things in the vendor room that are uh, the least bit delicate, let's say some fine resin or something like that, those things I'll put in my carry-on, sandwiched between my clothes and all of that to protect it. Um, Now, after after 9-11, when restrictions came in about what you could take on airplanes... I think the convention or the either one or two years after that was Phoenix and Terry Hill and I went, went to Phoenix that year. And what they had arranged was they actually had a mobile UPS site at the convention set up in the vendor room. So you could take all of your purchases, take them over to the UPS kiosk and pack them up and ship them, and that's what we did because we bought uh, we bought for a lot of members of the club, and so we had a box that I think was something on the order of fifty pounds, <laughs> and we shipped it back to to Terry's office, and uh, uh, then had real fun unpacking it when it arrived a few days later. In general, you know, again, if it's a car, it's not a problem. If you fly a spare suitcase, if if you're if you buy something that you can't take on the airplane, then you can locate the local UPS or USPS and mail it. Wives, in general, I attend the nationals with my modeling friends. 
there are a couple of exceptions. Uh, Mike and I both attended the Oklahoma City convention with our wives, which which was really nice because Oklahoma City is a very nice town. And with both of our wives there, they could spend time together during the day, which freed us up to be at the convention. Uh, the only other times I've taken my wife to a convention uh, have been the two Disney conventions, Anaheim in 2007, I think 2007, and then Disney in 2012. Um, and obviously, I took the wife and the children uh, to those because they were co-located with Disney, and, you know, that's... Um, you know, the, the, it's a chance to work in a Disney vacation. Uh, uh, the one in Orlando at Disney World was really fantastic because we got the most amazing room rate for the convention out of Disney, and uh, uh, it was it was it was a great time. So I know some people complained about it, and I don't think the vendors are actually happy about having conventions co-located with with uh, tourist attractions like that because they feel like it takes uh, the attendees away from the convention and hurts their, hurts their sales. Well, I understand because Disney's second only to the internal revenue service from separating you and your money. That's right. And the only difference between the two of them is Disney will leave you with a smile when they do it. <laughs> Tim Cavalier's back. You know, we ribbed Tim last episode for having more paint than he let on in his email. <laughs> and he says it wasn't so much about storing them for storage's sake, but uh, rather keeping them organized. I agree. My, that's, that is the single biggest difficulty with paint is organization. And unfortunately, I'm not the world's most organized human being. I come up deficient on this topic because I build so slow that I probably have a smaller paint collection than a lot of modelers, to be honest. Yeah, it's because yours dry. If you bought a lot, it would dry out. Exactly. <laughs> but he's been using some plastic totes and things to organize those things. You know, I was thinking, and I'm, I'm going to finish up my workshop here, hopefully this year. And uh, paint storage has been something because he talks about using copier paper box tops and that's what all my paints in right now so yeah so so tim we got something in common there but um you know you see all these laser cut these stair step type paint organizers that sit on yep. your workbench that just takes yep. up a bunch of space yes uh the vast majority of my paint collection i got a one two three four five six seven eight nine drawer cart from ikea and it's a, it's it's fairly deep, probably oh I guess two and a half feet deep. So it has these really deep drawers, and it, it's actually it can be on wheels. I didn't put the wheels on mine. It is perfect for storing paint, and I basically have a drawer with each brand of paint. I mean, I've got one for white ensign models. I've got one for Life, Color, and Mission. I've got one for Model Master. Tamiya and Alclad and AK are together in a drawer. And the only downside with that is if you're dealing with paints that, like the Model Master paints, 
you know, you're looking at a bunch of tops and you can't tell what color is what. So you have to go through them all to find the color you're looking for. So I'm still working on the organizational solution for that, but it is a great way to store your paint. He also says a fun fact about unicorn tears. So you can take another drink there. That's right. (laughs) I was listening to an old scale model podcast, episode 28, and Anthony mentioned Mr. Color Thinners. And I didn't realize, but the different thinners were designed for different Mr. Color paints. Yes. Unicorn Tears or... uh, which one? Well, that's the leveling thinner. Right. It's designed for the gloss colors. I have mi- heard that. And Mr. Rapid Thinner, it was designed for the flat paints. Uh, and he, he provides a link that was also provided on Scale Model Podcast. We'll put that in the show notes as well that uh, explains a little bit of this. But I tell you what's interesting, though, that that, w- that was the intent, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, but I wonder how much of the Rapid Thinner they sell now because a lot, of the, particularly in armor, the modern techniques in armor no longer desire necessarily a flat finish for the base coat. Absolutely. I do think that, uh, uh, that that's probably true. And therefore I think that explains part of the popularity of the unicorn tiers because it gives you a more, even with working with a flat paint, it gives you a more satin finish. Dana Co from Martinsburg, West Virginia. I know exactly where Martinsburg is. Go Mountaineers. <laughs> Love your podcast and your modeling fluids. There you go. That's right. I do not have space for a spray booth, nor the expertise. Well, you'll get the expertise when you get one and, and yes. you dive into it. That's, you gotta, yes. that's, your, that's your plan for getting better there, Dana. That's right. I rattle can the majority of the outer areas and then... Uh, when I can brush paint uh, the internal or smaller parts, could you, sh- could you show discuss the intricacies associated with brush painting? Um, first of all, okay, let me give you my two cents. One airbrush as much as possible, but I understand particularly with interiors brush, pa- plenty of people brush paint. The key to brush painting is finding the right paint. You know, the Tamiya acrylic paints are awful for brush painting, whereas uh, the Vallejos, uh, some of the some of the stuff Mike was mentioning about the stuff that that is for for like Warhammer and figure paint, the scale seventy five and I think Citadel, Citadel and P three. Face the mic, Dave. Sorry, P three. <laughs> uh, those those are made to be brush painted, and you get much better results using a paint that's meant to be brush painted. It is one place where, in general, um, uh, acrylics work better than enamels uh, for brush painting. You know, experiment around a little with all the different brands and find what works for you. One of the best things I ever came across in regard to uh, painting particularly brush painting interior cockpit interior details. Um, Diego Quinano did a series of five books on uh, building model aircraft. And one of them is solely focused on interiors and gear bays and stuff like that. And it is a lot of modeling books are pretty picture books, but you don't learn a lot. Those books, you learn something on every single page. 
and and um, I, I highly recommend them. They are not cheap. If you buy them in a set, the the set is like six books, and it's close to two hundred dollars. But I consider it a really good investment. Another thing he mentions is that uh, he's been modeling forty eight scale Navy aircraft flown by his father. Oh um, wow! He his his father went through training between nineteen fifty seven and nineteen sixty, and in June of nineteen sixty, he died in a carrier training launch. Oh wow! That is some of the golden age of naval aviation. There's some great aircraft from that period. But as a tribute to his father, he's completing all these planes, and he's completed a Minicraft uh, T-34B and a Hobbycraft uh, F-9F-2, F- yep. F- F-9F-2, and an F-3H-2 Demon, yep. all, all planes he flew. Um, and he personalized the F-3H-2 to, to the actual plane his father flew, and he sends a picture of that. So it's a really oh, sharp-looking cool. little, sharp little jet. Yep, it is. Very attractive airplane. You have to put that in the on the facebook page we'll have to so good luck uh, working through those planes yep absolutely uh currently he's a one model at a time builder and unfortunately gumball head is 100 miles away from him is it worth oh. the drive or should you yes. just spend, spend the money on the bullet no it's worth the drive no nah, i don't know I'd, I'd go for the bullet and pick up the gumball head when you when you can that's a long yeah, way well, man. Yeah, if if you travel over to an area where it's available, you know, for any other reason, make a point of stopping by a grocery store or someplace and pick it up because it is worth it. Uh, next up is uh, Renee Gingras from uh, Charlestown, Massachusetts, which is in the Boston, greater Boston area there. Yeah. And in, in fact, there's a whole movie about it called The Town. You might want to loosen up your hat, Ben, Dave. W- uh, why? Dave, to me, is old school. He's smart with his knowledge. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. (laughs) He's smart with his knowledge, and he knows how to use it. He sounds more qualified than me to be at any modeling show and knows how to to hold his own. Very knowledgeable. Okay. Either my mother or my wife wrote in that email. (laughs) It wasn't your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Mike, to me, is laid back and and uh, attentive to his wants and desires of models. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, I no, like that. That's a, that's not a bad epitaph. Thank you, Renee. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. We're Absolutely, having we're having fun with it, but we do appreciate it. Uh, his modeling flu of choice is Mountain Dew. Again, another high caffeine item. I I I don't see how these guys suck down large amounts of caffeine and model. It just, I mean. That's that's really fine motor control. I think so. Uh, doesn't drink a lot now, but uh, he never never latched onto the Paps Blue Ribbon or the Schlitz his dad used to drink. So, ooh, thank that's God, a, that's okay. Uh, he's working his way through the back catalog, and uh, the one he's loved most so far is John Miller, Episode Thirty, uh, Doctor Strangebrush. You're you're with a lot of people. We are we're going to have Doctor Miller back on soon because. That was an extremely popular episode. And listen, I will tell you from having spent a lot of time talking with John, uh, I've never come away from a conversation with him without having learned new things. So, yes, look for John to be back on the show in the coming month or so here. Uh, We're trying to get him on. We've got a a busy slate of uh, potential episodes coming up. We're we're trying to get him worked in. We're talking to him right now. So, uh 
And he goes on to say he lives in the Boston, Massachusetts area, and he's never been to a modeling show or ventured into a modeling club. Uh, oh. He says, you've got him on the ropes to join one, Dave, so you're doing your job. Do it. I am telling you, there, there is nothing more enjoyable than sitting around with fellow modelers talking about models. I mean, we love building models and we enjoy doing I mean, it's, it's kind of a solitary hobby as far as that goes, but the, th- the, the social aspects of joining a modeling club and going to a model contest there, it, it opens up a whole new world. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out on some of the best parts of modeling. Well, he asked for a little guidance in his area. So I got on the IPMS USA website and got on their chapter list. Renee, you're going to want to look, uh, into the the club in Belrica or the one in Peabody. Those are going to be your closest options. They're both about, I don't know, 20, 25 miles away, something like That's that. That's not bad. That's not bad. Well, it's not bad for us. That might be murder in Boston metro area. I don't know. Well, ever since the big dig, I hear the Boston metro's traffic is much better. Okay. Well, maybe there's hope. Yeah. All right. Finally, is Duncan Young from... Uh, Gelf, Ontario. He re- he's written in before. I know where Gelf is. So, uh, I just finished listening to episode 34 and enjoyed the discussion on your collective approach to tackling weathering. I'm about to move forward with the paint and weathering on my current project, a TACOM T55A in Iraqi service. Oh, what a great kid. But I've been hesitant out of fear of screwing it up after a lengthy build. Yep. Yep. I feel this one to the soul, man. Well, he's been listening, so here's what he's going to do. I sidestepped this afternoon to knock out an older Italeri kit I've been kicking around in the stash to use as a paint and weathering test mule. He's channeling you, Mike. Uh, well, you do it too, Dave. Yeah, but no, you just you just had to, you just uh, over the weekend posted on the Facebook page. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Threw together a new mule. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yep. And he also wants to say thank you to you, Dave, for your insist your assistance and encouragement earlier in the year regarding putting together the club newsletter. <laughs> well, I'm glad to help. As a longtime editor, I am I am more than happy to help. So he's forwarded us the uh, inaugural issue of Bombsite for IPMS Hamilton. All right. So there you go. Did you, did you have it translated from Canadian into English? Not yet. I'll work on it. Okay. You have to remove all the A's. Yeah, I think so. And the occasional French epitaph. Exactly. All right. <laughs> well, that's the listener mail. That was a lot of fun. There's a lot of good that ones was. this time. That was. I'm telling you, you guys, keep writing, keep keep interacting with us. This is this is why we do this. This is the enjoyment that we get out of it. It's fun as all get out. And while you're doing all of that. Oh, hang on, Dave. We're not oh, done. Oh, you've wrapped up listener mail. It's time for the plug. No, it's time for to say oh. if they wish to write listener mail, they can do so at uh, plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com. And I'm still soliciting input for a listener-provided content episode. We're doing another Goof, Gaff, and Blunders episode. We've already got several, but keep them coming. Don't be bashful. If we Please. can't laugh at if if we can't laugh at ourselves, we're doomed. Yep, absolutely. Tell us the stupidest thing you've ever done modeling. So, if you would like to participate and contribute, please submit these via email 
to www.plasticmodelmojo.com. Please put GG and B in the subject line so I can get through those quickly and get those printed out for the show notes. So now I'm done, Dave. All right. After you've, after you've sent Mike all your goof scaffs and blunders, if you take a moment to uh, rate this uh, podcast on whatever ratings app that you're uh, listening to us on or whatever broadcast podcast app you're listening to us on, give us a rating, please. If you can see your way, give us five stars. It helps uh, drive us up in the algorithm to be more visible to more people. And the other thing we would ask you is if you have modeling friends who aren't listening to the episode, to the podcast, please turn them on to it. Uh, you know, if they're less technologically advanced, you may have to to grab their phone and download a podcast uh, a podcast listening app for them and get them turned on to listening to us. It is the single biggest way we gain new listeners. So please do that as a favor to us. While you're doing that, check out the other great podcasts out there in the scale modeling world. We got On the Bench, our Aussie friends from down under, Scale Model Podcast out of Canada, the Plastic Posse Podcast, and Model Geeks from right here in the United States, and Just Making Conversation out of the UK. In addition to the podcast, we've got a bunch of guys out there doing uh, some non-podcast content generation via blogs and uh, YouTube channels. Please check out Sprue Pie with Fred's with Stephen Lee who we still are trying to get on as soon as possible. <laughs> Model Airplane Maker from Chris Wallace. Got to check out his blog and his YouTube channel. He's really yep. killing it these days. Inside Guy, Mr. Jeff Groves from Indiana. We hope to see him at Indianapolis. Yeah, we will. And a Scale Canadian TV from our friend Jim Bates. Finally, uh, after you've done all that, if you're not a member of your national IPMS chapter, that's IPMS USA here in the United States, IPMS Canada in Canada, uh, IPMS UK in England, uh, IPMS Australia in Australia, obviously, um, take a moment, go research them, and consider joining your national organization. Uh, IPMS is a worldwide organization with a bunch of national chapters, and those national chapters do a lot to promote scale modeling, to help scale modelers get organized, provides uh, the framework for local chapters to get set up. And as we were saying when we were going through listener mail, going to a local chapter is just one of the best things you can do for your modeling mojo. It will get you fired up to model more. It's it's a worthy it's a worthy thing to do, and I would appreciate it if you would join your national IPMS chapter. All right, we've got a few man. If you've come back and said they're going to join or they're about to join, that's all. It's all great. So yeah, that's join awesome. your local club, join the national organization, get into it, man. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Well, Dave, we're going to take a break right here and have a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder Steenbeck airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. So, Mike, uh, what's your bench top look like? Well, it's been a busy couple of weeks, Dave, but uh, just not with a lot of modeling, unfortunately. <laughs> I feel you, brother. Like I said earlier, something big's in the works outside the hobby that's had me distracted, but uh, I'm I'm 
really looking forward to be able to tell everybody in my in my life what's going on. But uh, it's a, it's a good deal. Uh, yeah. That is, that aside, um, the the Zis two sees more and more chipping uh, as the glacier inches forward. Interesting question. Yeah. Go so ahead. far, so far, and I know you're you're. What would you say? You're about forty percent done with chipping. Oh, that'd be generous. I don't know. Okay, thirty percent done with chipping. How how many hours have you spent so far to be thirty percent done on an, on that anti tank gun? I don't know. Think think we talked about this last time. Six, seven, eight. I don't know. I, I've been just crawling along trying to get this right. Yeah. I I don't know. I think to do it and do it right is much more time consuming than most people realize. But I do think it's worth it. I think the effect is really fantastic. That lower gun shield that you had on the Facebook page looks awesome. Well, thanks. And I'm you know about to get the entire business side of the gun shield done. I got to get on the face side now. Mm-hmm. So, and then get, get to work on the split trail. It's just going slow, man. Get a grief. Yeah. Yeah. And I've not been doing a lot of modeling, which hasn't helped either. Uh, other than that project, um, you mentioned it earlier as well, but I've, I threw together a T34 turret. I dug out of the stash. Uh, just use a, just use a new paint mule. That's the old Tamiya kit, right? Well, yeah, it's one of the incarnations of it. It's that uh, okay. CHTZ turret version. But, gotcha. Uh, By the way, that is that is a really nice use of kits, older kits that have been superseded. I think so. And I, I just put the turret together. I didn't want to get into the whole thing. I, I was wondering, though, up at Indy, if somebody's got some built-ups they're blowing out from some estate, I might pick up a finished model. Yeah. Yeah. Save and my, you save, see that occasionally. See myself, save myself a little time. Yeah. Other than that, uh, that's the only thing I've been working on. I I just haven't gotten much done. I've been really distracted in a good way, but uh you know, it just kind of stoked the build fire when I put that little turret together, even though I wasn't I wouldn't even clean the mold seams off grab irons or anything. I just threw the thing together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to start something soon. So well, I need good. to finish I need to finish something. Good. Well, I know I know you've been busy. What have you been well, doing? I actually have, uh, after my mojo is much better, especially thanks partly to all the words of encouragement that the listeners sent in. And I appreciate that. Um, I have been working on the M30. I'm just about completely done with the pin washing. I have realized that you clearly know what you're doing because if I were to do this again, I would not assemble the gun body and the gun shield. I would do or gun the gun shield and body and the split trail. I would not have united those pieces. I would have done what you did, which is mount the gun on a stick and kept the uh, the split trail and wheels as a separate piece because it's clear to me now that by putting by uniting them all together i made more work for myself in the weathering department uh there are now uh, you know awkward angles and and stuff like that as far as getting 
getting into the crevices I need to get into, whereas if I had not united the two pieces, it would be worlds easier. So I, I've learned something, uh, which, let's face it, that's what we want to do. We want to learn. But also, uh, in addition to being almost done with the pin washing and getting ready then to go to some oil dot filter modulation, I've spent a lot of time staring at photographs on the computer. Because, again, I know nothing about the M30. Uh, there are a couple of preserved examples and a couple of really great walkarounds online. Uh, again, Prime Portal. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I have spent, you know, the, the gun is overall green. Fine. It's overall green. But there <laughs> are actually a lot of details that are either metallic or color or wooden or uh, silver metallic, um, because I know nothing about the, the real thing. I'm having to stare at these photographs and make notes for myself. Okay, I need to paint this. I need to paint that. I need to paint here um, before I move on any farther after I get the pin washing done. But Again, the internet is our friend, and it's fantastic for that. Uh, speaking of which, I really like what you've done with the breach of the ZIS-2, and I need to get from you the information on those paints because I need to go to my local Warhammer or whatever shop here in Louisville and pick up those metallic paints because I have areas on the M30 where I need to produce the finish that you profit that you produced in that breach well i'll send those along thank you i appreciate that the mosquito is kind of sitting still for the moment because i've been taking my limited time and 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 pouring it into the m30 but i do need to get back to it um as i said earlier in the episode the biggest challenge for me right now is the fact that with the pandemic lighting up, it has made the practice of law much busier. Uh, in addition, with the coming of spring, I'm spending weekends instead of uh, huddled in my model room while it's snowing outside. I'm out in the yard cutting the grass, you know, weed eating, trimming. Uh, we're going to open the pool in a couple of weeks, so the whole area out there has to be cleaned up. And then, you know, there's the honey. Spring is the time that the honeydew list really grows and grows. So I'm hoping to be more efficient with my time because I think I will have less of it. Well, I think somebody just filled out their bingo card on that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And we'll have to do a poolside uh, podcast from Little Jamaica. Absolutely, man. We are definitely going to do that. Maybe we'll, we'll, we're even going to have to include some video with that. We may have to. We may have to do that. All right. Well, that's the bench time halftime report. So, Mike, uh, have you been perusing the uh, kit announcements? Do you have any faves and yawns? I uh, will go back and forth. I've got uh, three faves and a yawn, or maybe two faves and an unknown and a, and a yawn. I got two faves and a yawn. All right. Well, we'll get through it. My first one is uh, Academy has announced a Panzer II Aus F. Aus F. Yes, it, we, has that version been done before? Yes. Uh, Dragon has one. And I think the old Tamiya 
kit from the seventies is an Aus F as well. Anyway, it'd be interesting to see how it compares to the dragon kit, which probably is unavailable nowadays. I, I don't it? know. Academy. I don't have, I don't have any Academy kits in my stash. I don't know why. I just a lot of the stuff they've got has been done before, and I I wonder if it's just a, a Korean market kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know that they leased out some of their older armor molds to Airfix, who are suddenly producing uh, 35th scale armor kits. Apparently, most of them, though not all, are X Academy kits. So for that one, uh, it's got potential. We'll see, see how it compares to the Dragon Kit, which might be in my stash. I need to dig around and see if I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> it might be in my stash. I love that. What you got? What's your first one? Well, uh, you may you may remember at the beginning of the year we were talking about uh, you know what what got produced and announced and and where the holes were in the hobby. And I talked about so many kits coming out that there were now really fewer and fewer holes that I could think of. But one of them that I mentioned was the Williams Brothers C46 kit really needed a replacement. Well, Valome has announced a new tool, C46. Actually, I think they're doing three different versions. They're doing C46, a Navy version, and I think they might even be doing a civilian version. Now, Valome is not Tamiya, uh, but they have made great progress over the years. So I at least have some hope that this kit will be a real improvement and, uh, it is, it is one of the holes in World War II 72nd scale aircraft that really needed filling. So um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I can't wait to see it. Up next for me is a company out of Germany called Style Design. Hmm. And they've got some interesting laser cut and laser engraved structures in the 72nd and 35th scale. As in buildings? Yes. Of note... They have a uh, a Berlin uh, U-Bahn entrance, which is really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the big blue U sign, the the lit the lighted sign. Gotcha. And, and all that, and then they've got a uh, a Bauern house. Uh, it's German, obviously, but it's a a farmer peasant's house. A log a log structure would be really great in a diorama in Poland or uh, central and northern Russia. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of really cool things. Um, What's really the name che- of the company again? Style Design. Style Design. Yeah. Check them out on Scalemates at least, or you can probably find them just doing a Google search. Uh, that Ubon entrance is something I might buy. I might, I might pick that up. Really? I'm a, I'm a wannabe dioramist. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's kind of cool. I, I spent some time in Berlin in high school and, that whole Battle of Berlin's always been fascinating to me. Uh, now you spent some time in Berlin. Hopefully, you were on the right side of the wall. Uh, I was on both sides of the wall, but pr- primarily on the western side of the wall. Good, good. Uh, didn't want to. Didn't want you working for the Stasi. Well, I mean, back then Berlin well still is, but in the divided world, West Berlin was closer to Poland than West Germany. Yes. <laughs> yep. You got another fave? Yes, I do. Um, Special Hobby has announced a 
KI uh, Tachikawa KI-54 Hickory. Uh, the KI-54 was a World War II Japanese light transport and bomb and crew trainer aircraft. Um, it's one of the holes, one of the few remaining holes in 72nd scale Japanese aircraft. It's it's an attractive airplane, and really, again, it's one. If you wanted to build all of the Japanese World War II aircraft, it was one of the places where you were going to have to resort to resin or vacuform. I'm not even sure there's a resin kit of it. Uh, you might have had to resort purely to vacuform. So to see an injection molded kit by Special Hobby is good news. So I can't wait to pick that one up. It will definitely go into my Japanese collection. Well, I got another fave or another recommended right. checkout anyway. All right. Uh, it's a company out of Russia called OKB Grigorov. Yep. They've got a lot of cool things across many scales and genre on their website. Yes, they yes, they do. There's uh, their 700 scale ships and subs are really fantastic. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going a completely different direction. Folks need to check out their 172nd scale armor upgrades. Yes. They've yep. got some they've got some T34 turrets in 72nd scale that have as many parts as a 35th scale turret. Yep. Now that may be good or bad, but they really they look really really nice. And their de- their detail is amazing. They really. I actually own one OKB Grigoff kit. I own a seven hundred scale submarine. Imagine that. The Israeli version of the German Model Two Twelve diesel electric submarine. You know, since I built that little Airfix uh, Morris and Bofors, I've, I've kind of got to itch to do another seventy second scale armor project (laughs) we've got him we've got him now maybe that new model collect uh king tiger but uh okb grigorov has got me interested in maybe something else we'll see yeah well fun stuff do something and upgrade it oh yeah you you got another favor a yawn i'm gonna i'm gonna yawn this time and guys i I apologize for picking on pep lats again um (laughs) Uh, they've re- they've announced a resin kit of the Focke-Wulf FWP-281. Um, it's another one of these Luft 46 paper, paper Luft items. And you know what? I, I'm, I don't mean to pick on it. I really don't. And I actually have a couple of Luft 46 kits in my collection. So I've, I've got nothing super against it. But... It's it's like at this point, with especially in regard to the Luftwaffe, we are stretching to find things. It's kind of the equivalent of that uh, that Model Collect P one thousand with a with a cruiser turret on a uh, uh, or pocket battleship turret on a tank. Yeah, it's like a Jawa sandcrawler with the exactly. <laughs> hey, see, that's what you can do with the extra parts. You can make I- a Jawa sandcrawler. Yeah, maybe. So do you have a final one? I've got a yawn. It's a little bit of a repeat. Lay but, it on but, me, brother. But but but, but now the two the toothpaste is out of the tube. Okay. Uh, it's hilarious. M42 Simavente new new tool kit. Yeah, right. You don't think it's a new tool? Well, modeling news has a build review. Is it not a new tool? So, no, not much new tool in the box. Okay. 
possibly new molds from the original tool design. Gotcha. Uh, and it's got glueable rubber band tracks. Ooh, ooh, that's not good. Well, of course, the thing is that you know there will be aftermarket tracks. You know what? I there wish are, there, there already are. Yeah, I wish there were more Italian good Italian armor kits because some of the Italian armor stuff is just really neat looking. Well, there is. It's all in resin, though. Yeah. So that maybe that's the final frontier for injection molded plastic. There you go. Well, them in Poland, and we're starting to get our we're starting to get our Polish stuff. Italy, the final frontier. <laughs> well, our special segment tonight is a real treat. We've got uh, the 2021 Las Vegas National Convention Chairman Bob Lamasaro with us. So let's get right into that. Countdown to Vegas, Dave. Yep, I cannot wait. Well, we got a special treat tonight, but before we get to that, we are 134 days away from the time of this recording to the IPMS National Convention in stellar Las Vegas, Nevada. Woo! And we've got a special treat tonight. We're not going to run down our email exchanges with Bob. We actually have Mr. Bob Lamasaro on the line with us tonight, who's the IPMS National Convention Chairman from the Las Vegas chapter. Bob, how are you doing this evening? Hey, it's great to be with you guys tonight. I'm a big fan of the show, and it's a real pleasure to have me on. And I got to tell you guys, you've been doing a great job of, of promoting the Nationals here in Las Vegas. And from my entire team, we really appreciate it. Thanks very much, guys. Well, thank you for coming on, Bob. And I've got just one question. What sort of blackmail did people have on you in order to convince you to take on the job <laughs> of national contest chairman? Did it was it pictures? Did it involve goats? What was it? They they threatened that uh, FBI relocation program over my head, and then boy, it got me to do it. Okay, I knew there had to be something because no man in his right mind would voluntarily take on the job. No, it it takes it takes a certain amount of insanity to to uh, to take this task on, and uh, you know we've done our we've done a local show over the years here in Las Vegas called the Best of the West, and it's grown yeah. from a you know a small show, you know into a fairly large, probably one of the largest shows in the, you know in our area. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of experience and we got a lot of great guys. And we assumed this was just going to be a, a somewhat larger version of that. And uh, I can tell you, <laughs> it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it makes my other show, you know, look like a garage sale. This, this is pretty big. <laughs> well, how did that come about? You know, we've been talking about it for years. Uh, you know, a few of the guys in the club and, and you know, probably my right-hand man in the club is uh, Joe Porsche, which I know is a big supporter of the podcast as well. Um, yeah. You know, we've been talking about it, kicking the ball around for, for quite some time. And, you know, we actually threw our first bid in back in 2017 at Columbia. Joe, he, grow, he drove across the country and he put our bid in and it wasn't, it wasn't accepted. And then we just kind of sat on it for a little while. We passed up 2018. And then I, I really can't tell you – how it came about, but then all of a sudden we got hot on the idea again, and we decided to put a bid in uh, in Chattanooga. And uh, Pete, my raffle coordinator, and I and Joe, we we traveled to Chattanooga. We submitted a bid, and it got it got accepted. And it was uh, you know it was a lot of fun, uh, you know. And then we got back to Vegas, and it was like uh, 
okay, like, what the hell do we do now? It's like, uh, what's next? We got the bid and we're all patting ourselves on the back. And, and then it was, what the heck did we just do? Uh, you're like the dog. You're like the dog who caught the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best description yet of what, how that went. We got back and then uh, you know we 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 had a plan already laid out on what we were going to do. And uh, by the time we got back, we just threw the plan into gear. But I got to tell you, this this is and I most people don't know this, but I used to be a uh, a rock show producer here in town on the side, and I used to produce rock and roll shows at the big casinos. And I figured, you know, between Best of the West and my experience with the Legend of Rocks, that this could be, you know, this could be something we can handle. And it's just turned out to be just so much larger than that. Um, and I, I think the biggest thing is there's no real, there's no real how-to guide on how to do it. Um, you, you're kind of left to your own demise. And I, and I want to throw a shout out to two guys that probably have just, They've been a fantastic help to us. And that is uh, Mike Moore at Chattanooga, who was the chairman of his show, and Len uh, Philhoffer from San Marcos. And uh, those guys uh, were just, they were just tremendous. They they got with us right away and we, they started sending us all their paperwork and, you know, they, what they call their big rocks uh, list. It's kind of like a spreadsheet of what needs to get done. And they kind of walked us through the beginning of it and got us going. And I tell you, without those guys, um, we'd still be scratching our heads. They're two great guys. Bob, you're about to join a, a, a very exclusive secret society, which is former IPMS uh, Nationals managers. It's, it is a, a very select group of guys, and they really do help each other out. There, there are guys they, out there who have put on multiple national conventions. Well, they really do. And without those guys, there really isn't a playbook. So without the previous chairman, you know, I got to be honest, they're probably I wouldn't know how to even start this. And, you know, I'm honored to be a part of that club. And if we hold a reunion in the future, I hope it's going to be in an old folks home because that's where I'm going to be after this convention. <laughs> I'm going to convalescing. As of this moment, Bob, why don't you give us some numbers as far as room nights, reservation uh, or registrations, stuff like that, just so that everybody knows the basics of where things stand right now? Sure. And I'll tell you what, we, we're really, really excited, you know, with, with COVID and everything. Um, you know, there's, it's been a little it's been a little nervous. Um, you know, we're not exactly certain of what's going to happen. And, and, and I'll get to that in a second. But it was, you know, during I watched closely what was going on with San Marcos. And uh, I, my, I kept going out to Len thinking, man, oh man, that poor guy, he's got one yes. hell of a job. And I says, I, you know, thank God I'm not in his shoes. And then a couple of months later, I'm wearing his shoes. <laughs> it's been pretty frustrating, but we're really excited. As of right now, um, we broke the uh, 3,000 room night sold to date so far, which is kind of a big number. Orlando broke the record in 2012 with uh, 3,125 room nights. And then uh, we're, we're, we're coming up right behind them with 3,000 room nights. So we're really excited about that. And then we just opened registration, as you know, on Thursday morning. And within a four-day period, we booked uh, 510 pre-registrations. What's kind of exciting about that is, um, you know, they say that within the first 10 days of opening pre-registration, you can, you can gauge what type of attendance you're going to get at your show. And you just take 
whoever pre-registered and then, you know, times it by two. So within three days, four days, you know, we did 510 pre-registrations and that would put us on track for over a thousand registered attendees. And we're just blown away by that. Given, given the fact that, that due to circumstances, uh, San Marcos didn't happen last year, there is a pent up, built up oh. demand that I think you all are going to be the victim slash beneficiary of. Yeah. I would be shocked if, I'm sorry, I would be shocked if, if Vegas doesn't turn out to be the largest West Coast convention. Yeah, at this point, so would I. Um, you know, I understand, and it's and I really feel bad again for those guys in San Marcos. But you know, speaking with everybody, and I get you know, I get dozens of emails a day from from people all over the all over the world at this point, and there really is a lot of pent up excitement. I think guys at this point, guys and gals, modelers, they'd walk over broken glass, you know, through a hurricane to get to an IPMS convention at this point, and would yes. and we're just so thrilled and honored to be that convention here. Um, you know, for everybody, and you know, the model numbers are going to be staggering. You, you figure you got two years worth of built up uh, arsenal of kits that you know, many of which we're going to be taking to San Marcos. Um, so we're we're just we're we're expecting again. I don't know about attendance, but we're definitely gonna, we're going to get record numbers of models. The numbers on that are just going to be over the top. Um, Atlanta, for example, they got like three thousand two hundred and thirty six. In 2005, followed by Chattanooga in 2019, and I think we're going to blow past 3,000 easily. Well, I would not be surprised for that very reason. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, we really want to do a good job for everybody. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I we've gotten a, a slew of emails. I, I can't even tell you how many I get constantly. And you know, we get a lot of emails and support. A lot of guys thanking us for the job that. You know that we're doing in an environment such as this, and but just hosting the convention. So I mean, there's a lot of great people out there. Then you always get the oddball who sends you an email <laughs> complaining about something. You know, uh, but for the most part, I had one the other day. Some guy wrote in, and he just he opened the email up with your website sucks, and it's like he went in, <laughs> he went in through a list of things he didn't like about what we were doing, and he complained all the way through the email. Wait a minute, a model, a modeler who complains? I've never heard of such a thing before. I'll I, I tell you guys a funny story if you want to hear about a modeler who's unhappy from the beginning. Is you know when we were in Chattanooga and we did our presentation, you know uh, we we really pulled out all the stops. I had you know I had Elvis singing in the background of our presentation, and I had lights and all kinds of stuff. We really did. It was like a floor show we did for a presentation. And we had printed up these big laminated high gloss portfolios and we handed them out. And, and I was really proud of these things. And halfway through the presentation, some guy got up and he threw the book at me from across the room because he was upset about room numbers or pricing. And it just goes to show you, you just can't make everybody happy. <laughs> well, and, and that is just not to, not to go too far afield because I've got another question for you, but that is one thing that modelers don't seem to have a realistic grasp on, which is what hotel rooms at decent hotels go for nowadays. In, in big cities, yeah. In, in oh, big yeah. cities. And, and, you know, if you get if you if you had a convention and your your room nights were ninety nine dollars a night, you'd still get people complaining how outrageously high it is. Yeah, it just 
It just floors me. We really got lucky, and we, you know, we negotiated a, an astronomical deal with the Rio, you know, with the eighty-nine dollar room night. And what people don't realize, whether whether the room is eighty-nine dollars or two hundred and eighty-nine dollars, you know, there are taxes, there are state fees and stuff that go on right. top of that. And you know, I've traveled, you know, to Chattanooga, and I went to Phoenix for the Nationals in twenty eighteen, and I paid well more than what we're, you know, what we're what the Rio is charging for a room. And that's, you know, right in the building. So, I mean, I think it's a great, a great venue, you know, the, the, um, everything that anybody would want is right there. I mean, four pools and restaurants and bars. And now that everything's opening up, I think it's just a great venue. And I, I know we're excited about it, but there's always going to be somebody who's going to complain. Having, having stayed at the Rio previously, I can echo everything you said. It is a really, really nice, facility. And I don't think anybody is going to be unhappy with the accommodations and the food, available food and and stuff like that. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I, we, I, I'm a local here and we eat there and the food, the restaurants are great. The facility is great. Um, the location is just fantastic. You know, it's off the strip. Right. Um, and if everybody wanted a suite, you know, we could have booked it at the Bellagio and it would have been $289 a night. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, for, and we toured the rooms and I want to let everybody know, you know, there's those photos that I post, you know, they're realistic photos. I mean, we toured the rooms, um, you know, we were real careful. We were looking at other facilities as well. Uh, we were looking for something obviously that we can afford. And then we really wanted to provide the best accommodations possible at the least amount of money for our attendees. And the rooms and everything in the Rio and the facilities are just, you know, fantastic. I think everybody's going to be happy. One thing I did want to ask you is how are trophy sponsorships coming along? Uh, a lot of people who who have never put on a national or uh, maybe attended very few of them don't realize uh, how how big a chunk the trophy package is and how vital sponsorships are for the trophy packages. So how are yours doing? Actually, we got a you know we got a really big boost with the pre-registration. Uh, it's been something that's been concerning me. Um, there's nothing inexpensive about putting on a show in Vegas. Um, you know, with all <laughs> the, the, the the it's the uh, the convention capital of the world, and these conventions are huge. Um, so they're not, you know, they used to charge an exorbitant amount of money for a convention. You know, we're coming in relatively on a small budget and, uh, everything is costing us money from tables to chairs, to electricity, to, you know, Wi-Fi hookups and whatnot. So, you know, things that the money that we can bring in to help support the show, like sponsor, uh, trophy sponsors, it's really important and, and we, we're doing well. And I, we really also wanted to provide a really good looking national type you know, a national oh, yeah. level trophy. I mean, we didn't want to put something out that was homemade and, you know, in the backyard. Um, we, we wanted to be able to budget that in so that when someone took home, a, you know, a, a, a national trophy from Las Vegas, they're going to be proud to display it. So as of right now, I mean, we're probably, and I, I can't even believe I'm saying this because just a few weeks ago, I was pretty concerned, but uh, we're, we're like 80% sold out on, uh, on, on trophies. There's only about 50 left. Well, that's great. Yeah. We've been pushing that for, gosh, I guess probably three or four months now, haven't we? And every time you do, I get a chill run up the, my back by saying, yeah, baby, go. <laughs> it's, it's these little things that help bring the show. You know, the two, there's only two ways of bringing money in. I mean, three ways, obviously, 
you know, trophy sponsors are really, really important. And most of that, some a good portion of that money goes to actually buy a trophy. So it's it's not, you know, it's it's not something that's not air you're buying. We actually have to buy these trophies. You know, and then obviously vendor sales and uh, and then registration. Um, but we were we were blown away when we looked at this from the very beginning, you know, on just how expensive the show is going to be here. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, my my executive board, my guys and, you know, my right hand man, Joe, you know, we I think everybody's just done a great job of bringing this thing in, you know, hopefully on a on a reasonable budget and still provide excellent services and a great time to all our attendees. And that's really our goal. Contrary to the guy that wrote in and said, my website sucks. <laughs> I, we really are trying to do a great show, you know, for our attendees. We really want everybody to have a good time. And, um, you know, after Chattanooga, that's a tough act to follow. So, I am here to tell you, Bob, I've been to 23 nationals now over the years. And there are ones I remember fondly. There are ones that were really top of the line. I've never been to one that I considered bad. Um, but Chattanooga took the bar and moved it up big time. So hey. they, they, they gave you big shoes to fill. You know, and, and uh, when we left there, I mean, we were just, we were, we were blown away by the size of everything and how well everything ran. It was nearly, it was nearly a flawless show. And, and yes, and, and I congratulate Mike Moore and his team, man. Those guys just knocked the cover off the ball. When when he gets out of the insane asylum, I'm sure that he will be he will be really pleased at all of the praise that he's gotten for that show. Oh, uh, the two of us are going to be you know be making baskets in a matter of a few more months. We'll be both <laughs> we'll be both on the lawn in our pajamas making baskets together, you know, or macaroni pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, when we left there, I mean, we were so happy for those guys. They did a great job. They put on a great show. We had a great time. And then when we left. We looked at each other and said, oh, my God, we got to follow the show. You know, well, you know, obviously we had to follow San Marcos. And I'm sure this show would have been good, too. But with the most recent memory of, of Chattanooga, I says, oh, my God, man, we got to follow this thing. I mean, uh, you know, you're almost wishing that the show before you is a flop so that you can really. Shine. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't wish that on it. <laughs> right. Speaking of vendor tables, you're sold out, right? Yeah, we're sold out of tables. Um, you know, we originally were going to put in, you know, a few more tables, but we're thinking ahead with, uh, you know, social distancing. So we took a few tables out. So we are now officially sold out of tables. Joe has just been doing an astronomical job with that. You know, we have received a couple of cancellations, but he also has a long list of, of uh, standby visits. And each time one cancels, the table is sold the same day. So you know, we continue to be sold out of tables and we've we really got some great vendors still, you know, uh, even with everything that's going on internationally, our vendors are there and they've been supporting the show. They were about as excited about it as we are, you know, great guys. All right. I'm going to let Mike ask you a couple of questions. Sure, so I don't sure. uh, Cause I could, t I could talk nationals all day long. Well, keep talking, Dave, go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a huge collection of nationals t-shirts, as you can imagine that I drag out very rarely. So they're all still in really good condition. You all are actually producing two different shirts this year. Yeah, we're doing, that was a funny thing. You know, we, we, we wanted to do something that was going to be kind of, you know, kind of gitchy for Las Vegas. Um, we wanted to do something on a theme and I pr actually, uh, not to, to pat myself on the back, I'm, I'm the, the dopey graphic artist that did those t-shirts. 
So um, I produced two two versions, you know, one with the Jets and one with the Alien, you know, because Vegas is always home to aliens. Um, and we and we took it out and we kind of did like a, you know, like a test uh, at a local show, uh, just a, a sale, a model sale to see what who would like them. And uh, it turns out that they, they liked the both of them. So we decided that to go with both of them. We'll make them both national shirts. We I tied in, you know, some of the same designs to both shirts. And uh, I, I think it's going to be fun, no matter which one you get or both. Now, you realize now that you've put me in the conundrum that I have to buy both shirts. Well, of course you do. I'm, buy I'm buying both. I don't want anybody to think that due to my marketing experience that that was intentional. You know, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> But it's appreciated. Uh, and, yeah. we, and we're keeping, you know, we have a local source for everything. We're keeping everything local with, with few exceptions. So uh, we thought that would be a good idea. And the one advantage that we have is that being it is local is that I can really gauge what the sale are going to be, you know, with the pre-registration and then uh, based on my total, my total availability of products, caps and T-shirts, you know, based on what we think the numbers are going to be so that we don't have much left over. So far, they're running neck and neck. Uh, uh, you know, the Jets and the Alien are kind of running neck and neck. Because everybody's buying two. Yes, that's right. Buying <laughs> one or the other or two. Let me ask you a question. And this comes from having been to, to so many over the years and seeing them grow. The Nationals got to a point where it got so big, it almost became more than a single club could handle. So you saw numerous instances over the past number of years of shows being more than one chapter being right. involved in putting on a show. And now with Vegas being out there kind of, you know, you all are in the West are a little more spread out. Are you relying just on your Vegas crew for staffing? Uh, no, for staffing, I would probably have to say that we're counting on a lot of volunteers. You know, we've got a great relationship with a lot of the local IPMS chapters. You know, the, the, the nearest ones are in California, and we're really hoping on, you know, bringing in a lot of volunteers to help staff the show. And, you know, we do plug the volunteers on the website and our Facebook page. And, you know, so far we're getting a pretty good list. So we are counting on I got to be honest, we couldn't do it on just the staff that we have. So we are counting on volunteers. The organization of the show and the execution of the show and the planning uh, is uh, solely with my club alone. And, and I think that's primarily because logistics, like you mentioned, you know, the nearest club to us, the nearest IPMS chapter is in San Diego. That's four and a half hours away or or Phoenix, which is five hours away. And it's just kind of impractical you know, to get people at that distance involved on a regular basis when it comes to, you know, attending meetings and buying this and making these arrangements. So we really have depended upon just my guys. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, we've put on a few shows and I've got a really great team. You know, these guys, they're experienced and they're committed. And although this show is turning out to be much larger than anything we've ever imagined, you know, so far my guys are doing a great job. But I want to I want to throw something out there that inevitably the bulk of the work, you know, does kind of fall on a selected few. And, yeah. and, and it's no different here as well. I got to say that, that, you know, my right hand guy is uh, without his help, my right hand guy, we, we would not be able to put the show on. And that guy is Joe Porsche. 
um, you know, for he's our um, our vendor coordinator, and he is also our regional coordinator. And Joe, in all my years of being in the hobby, which is almost 50 years, uh, Joe, without a doubt, is one of the most committed guys to this hobby that I have ever encountered. And uh, I don't want to go into anything personal, but like Joe has been fighting some serious health issues. Uh, and through it all, he has never stopped working on this show. And without his help, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't think there would be a, a convention this year in Las Vegas. So I got to do a big shout out to my right hand man and my friend, uh, Joe Porsche. Let me ask you a little bit about registration. Are, have, are you all going to do a dry I know you're hoping most people will pre-register. That really right. helps the local chapter because if you have a lot of people who show up and register day of, you get long lines, you get grumbling, you get all that. So any listeners out there, if you're going, pre-register. Are you planning a dry run of the registration system for day of? Yes. Well, for the day of the show? practicing it before the day of. Yeah, actually, we we, uh, we were lucky. We got the computers from, uh, you know, all the computers and the printers um, were in San Marcos, obviously, for that show. Right. And then they mailed everything to us uh, probably, you know, seven, eight months ago. And um, there's there's software program on there that was developed by a gentleman named Ed Sunder out of, I think he's out of Chattanooga. And uh, he had developed a software program which just makes this really easy. But nonetheless, there's a lot of loose ends and there's a lot involved in it. So we've been holding practice uh, registration uh, for the last couple of months, actually. That's smart. Yeah, we've been trying to stay ahead of the curve. And what was nice about it is that uh, Ed had designed uh, the live site and then he also devised, um, he designed a totally separate um, test site so we've been on that test site, and we're making a mess out of the damn thing. But that's really what it's designed to do. And uh, right. we've been practicing registrations on that now for a couple of months. Uh, inevitably now, we just got our first two batches of uh, registrations, and we preloaded those. What I did with those is I loaded them into the test site, and my guys have been working on those. And although they're current, these are real live you know, 2021 registrants. We've been working on those on the on the test site, and we've we've been finding a couple little bugs and things that need to be adjusted. So we're gonna. I, I'm actually meeting with a phone meeting tomorrow with Ed to go over some of those things, and then we're gonna get them worked out before we import all the information over to the live site, uh, so that we can eliminate a lot of those problems. And I will tell you that. Bob, that that is the single biggest thing I think that a, a club, local club hosting a national can do is practice that sort of stuff to eliminate those bugs ahead of time. Because if you don't and you encounter them day of trying to figure out the fix on the fly, uh, you know, it backs up registration and oh, people man. get antsy and we're not going to mention the show, but, but, you know, I've been to a couple and the, the line was out the door, you know, there was a yes. four hour wait. So, you know, yeah. with that in mind, and then again, another big plug for Chattanooga and then seeing how well their process ran, you know, we're left with no choice, but to make this a good process as well. And thankfully, um, you know, Ed had devi- uh, designed the software 
and uh, was willing to give it out to all future you know hosts. So we're utilizing yeah. this and we're really trying to work out those bugs ahead of time. And one of the things that I think that, you know, we're excited about, I'm really pleased with, I should say, is that, you know, with my guys, we've been working on every aspect of this, you know, for the past year. In fact, we've been driving IPMS USA crazy. Um, we've been so far ahead of the, <laughs> we've been so far ahead of the curve with so much of it that they keep telling us, slow down, slow down. You got weeks and months to go. So, uh, <laughs> We're trying to stay ahead. We really want to. We want to do a great job and at least live up to what those guys did in Chattanooga. I, I don't think we can exceed it, but we really want to just live up to it. Well, we hope you do. Yeah, I cannot wait. A lot of people hope we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really we're we're excited and we really want to do the best that we possibly can on that. You know, and especially following those guys. Um, that's a they're, they, it's a tough act to follow. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. Yeah. So I'm gonna ca- uh, I'm gonna corner you when when the show's wrapping up this August, right as the last day's gonna come around. Uh, I'm gonna corner you and ask you when you're gonna do it again. Oh, I can I can give you a commitment right now on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> I know a whole lot of of show chairman, IPMS National show chairman, who said that exact very thing, who ended up hosting multiple nationals. Really? I mean, oh, uh, yes. You know, for the sake of Las Vegas, I mean, we would, you know, we we would love to see it come back here again. Um, But I got to tell you, this is a young man's game hosting a convention. Um, It's, it's not for the weak or the timid or the aged. It's, it's really a, it's a, you got to be on your A game, and, and it's and it's not an easy thing to do. So I, I don't really know. It'd be great to have it out this way again. I, I would love to see it. You know, a convention out in the L.A. San Diego area at some point in California. Uh, we would yeah. we, we would definitely sign up and help those guys out. Uh, but I, I don't know. There are other problem with Vegas is that it, it it just keeps getting more and more cost prohibitive. You know, to put a show of this thought of this nature on. Without revealing too much, I can tell you that that's a constant conversation inside IPMS USA. Yeah, that that large cities just become cost prohibitive. Two of the recent really good conventions, Omaha and uh, Chattanooga. One of the things one of the things about both of them is they're not while well, they're 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 big cities, but they're not. Las Vegas. They're not Chicago. They're not, you know, cities like that where just because of the nature of economics, it it get it's real hard to hold a convention with our large size demand, but small attend relatively small attendance uh demand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean we've got two things going for us that work to our advantage and disadvantage. The one advantage is it's it's Las Vegas. And the other right. dis- the other disadvantage that we have is it's Las Vegas. And, uh, <laughs> you know, being as a convention capital, like, you know, when CES comes in, you know, it's a million dollar convention. They're dropping millions of dollars and the facilities that are out here. And we happen to get a really large one. We got lucky. Um, you know, they pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for convention space. And, oh, yeah. and like you say, it's a large show. I mean, we're looking at a lot of people. And a lot of, you know, a lot of square footage. But in reality, it's a really small show in relation to what we get out here in Las Vegas. And uh, it's 
and it's only going up. And, and I, I don't even know, even if we're crazy enough to do it again, I don't know if it's going to be financially possible for us to pull it off, you know, with a, in a reasonable amount of money. I hope so. It'd be great. Yep. No, I can't wait to go to Vegas. Well, Bob, is there anything else you want to make the listeners aware of while we got you here on the, on this segment? We can have you back at a later date, maybe when we get closer to the show. But uh... Oh, that would be great. Yeah, just uh, you know, keep those pre-registrations coming in. Uh, it'll save you uh, a tremendous amount of time. Um, we're not expecting anything at this point. I mean, Vegas is opening up you know, weekly. Um, the big open date for basically everything is on June 1. And I know I, I get about 40, 50 emails a day and, you know, people are excited and they want to know about the shows. Our date for practically having everything open is, is June. And uh, we're anticipating that that's going to be the time when people can start buying tickets to concerts and shows and, you know, and everything else. The pre-registration is still going to be the key. You know, with the record numbers that we're getting, we really don't want long lines out the door. And we have to be conscious at this point you know, of, of social distancing and what, whatever's going to be in place, you know, come August. So if everybody would just, you know, by all means, pre-register, get your paperwork in and, um, you know, be as, uh, you know, be patient with the, with the team and IPMS, it'll make for a better show. And then, you know, one of the things that we try and did was um, we offered um, model registration in advance as well. If you go on our website, you know, there are fillable PDFs where guys can go on and, and actually complete all their model paperwork before they get on the show. And it's, you know, they're fillable PDFs, fill them out, save them, print them. And well, those little things like that are going to save a lot of time for not only the attendee himself, but for everybody before and after them. So, you know, those things could be real helpful. Uh, and I'm here to echo that. Uh, listen, the, the convention is four days, but it's four days in model heaven and it flies by really quickly. Oh. And one thing you don't want to do is waste a lot of time sitting at a table filling out forms. So get your model forms filled out, printed, and put with your models that you're going to take to the show so that combine that with pre-registration, you'll get to spend a whole lot more time in the vendor room, in the model room. Uh, or attending the seminars, then and you'll you'll be you'll have a much better experience if you do that. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I guess before we uh before you guys throw me off this thing, I just got one little shout out left. If I if you guys don't mind, sure, okay? absolutely. Okay, I want to do a shout out to Mike and Dave from Model Mojo Podcast. You guys and, and you know you guys do a great show, and I know there's other there's other shows on there as well that you're out there. They're all really good. Uh, you guys just do a great job. And, and I say this to you guys and I say it's all the others as well. You, you, you probably don't have any idea on how really you're, 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 you're building the whole model community and enhancing the model experience. So I got to give you guys a, you know, a shout out, a kudos. Um, you guys do a great, all you guys out in podcast land, you, you really bring modeling to people that have probably been isolated uh, and maybe they don't have an IPMS chapter or even a local show. And you, you, you get everybody involved in a really positive way. And I got to give you guys a real big shout out, pat on the back. You guys do a great job. We appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. And a shout out back to you, because if there weren't people insane enough like you to volunteer to be show chairman for an IPMS national, I wouldn't get to go and spend four days every year, almost every year 
having the time of my life. So well, thank you. Very I, much. I appreciate people like like you stepping up and doing that. Well, thank you. The key word. When Mike gets out of that mental hospital, I'm I'm going to tell him the same thing. <laughs> yeah, the key word you said, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. I, I, sincerely, I do appreciate that. But the key word in what you said was insane enough. Um, it, <laughs> yes. Nobody in their right mind, I think, takes on a, a convention like this. So insanity yeah. is the key ingredient. It doesn't take a lot of other skills other than insanity. And, and a good team. I got a good team. You know what they say? Insanity is just the flip side of genius. <laughs> Not my case. It's insanity. <laughs> There's no genius. Take the credit. If Take I was, the win. if it was genius, I'd be sitting here building models instead of, uh, you know, doing this crazy job. But uh, <laughs> well, well, we'll let you get back to building some models. Oh, I hope so. That'd be nice. That's what this hobby is all for. I can listen to you guys and build a model. There you go. Well, we'll wrap it up then, Bob. Thanks for thanks for joining us all the way across the country. We had a little bit of time time difference there to deal with, but not too bad. Just uh, what, a couple hours maybe? Yep. Maybe maybe three. Thanks again, guys. It's been my pleasure. And you and again, thanks for helping us with the show. And I look forward to seeing right. you guys out there. I understand that uh, gumball head is the drink of choice. So we're gonna yes. we're gonna be doing a little research in our local uh, liquor stores to see if we can get enough <laughs> enough gumball to keep you guys going for four days. That sounds uh, good. All right, Bob, we'll take it easy, man, and keep up the good work, and we'll keep plugging you on our end until the till D-Day gets here. Thanks, yep. Mike. Thanks, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. You're, right, you're welcome. So, Mike, that was uh, great to hear about the, the upcoming convention. I, I'm busting the seams. I cannot wait to get to, to, get to Las Vegas and, and uh, go to a national again. Two years is too long for me, man. So, uh, do you have any shout outs for the, for the, for the episode? I do. Dave and I wish to shout out and thank the following listeners for their general support of Plastic Model Mojo. Episode 35 support comes from Eric Simmelmere and Mr. Bob Bear. So gentlemen, thank you for your contributions. All of these contributions help us bring Plastic Model Mojo to you and everybody else. If anyone would like to contribute to our show, you may do so at www.plasticmodelmojo.com. And you can use the heart icon in the upper right-hand corner of the screen or the links at the beginning or the end of the show notes for the latest episode, if we have show notes. We love the support everybody everybody's providing us, and uh, it goes a long way to helping us bring you to the show. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for the support. We, we really appreciate it. It really does. And guys, uh, uh, one of the things uh, in the, my shout outs for the month are, uh, or for the episode are uh, a couple of model contests. First is IPMS Houston is holding a model contest on May 8th. Google IPMS Houston, and you should find their website and get the information for their contest. I am thrilled to see contests coming back. Uh, That's it's for me, it's a really great aspect of modeling. Not so much the contest itself, although I love seeing what everybody's building and, and I'm wowed by by many of the entries, but the social aspect that, that model contests bring are fantastic. Speaking of that, the other shout out is uh, uh, April 17th. Indianapolis, IPMS Indy, Roscoe Turner Chapter is holding their uh, invitational contest. This will be the first contest that 
I've Mike and I have been to since COVID hit last year. It was also the last contest we ever went to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, we we've been we've been locked in our houses for a year. Well, Dave, we're getting to the end of this. I know, man. I know. Spring is on us. Spring is on us. Man, this Eagle Rare is good. <laughs> well, you know what? This Raging Eagle isn't bad. I mean, it, it wouldn't be my first choice, but definitely get me through an episode. As they say, Dave, so many kids. So little time, Mike. Talk to you soon. Uh,